All right. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Wednesday. We have a special episode of Learning Tech Talks today where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting the questions answered you need answered to build out your digital ecosystem. So this episode, I'm joined by Graham Hogg, and he is from C6, and we are going to have a really fun discussion around the topic of developing teams through simulation. So as we're getting started here, feel free to like, share, tag in somebody who would benefit from the conversation, and also you can play along and participate because again, the goal of this is to be interactive, but to get things started, comment in and share where you are in the world today. I'm in my usual space here in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Graham, how about you? Where are you today? Hi, Christopher. I am in Connecticut, Westport, Connecticut. Very leafy and gray day this morning. Right. All right. It is it is the beautiful leaf season. I don't know. Have they started as the colors change or are they starting to fall off yet? They're starting to change and fall off, which means I'm going to have to get back and out in the backyard shortly to start okay, collecting you, all of those leaves. Are you leaves. a raker or are you a mower? Do you just chop them up and leave <clears> them or do you actually clean them up? I'm a raker. I haven't elevated to the, the, the leaf blower just yet. Um, I, That's my, my the next level. That's the next yeah, level. yeah, wow. indeed. I'll graduate next year, but I, I am, I am a raker. Okay, you are I am a raker. All right, and is it, is it getting <laughs> cold there? We had snow this week already. I wasn't. Too yes, cold. it's okay. I, yeah, I was out running this morning, and I was, I was wearing a, wearing a couple of layers. So yeah, it's a little bit chilly. Okay, it's coming too early this year. It is coming too early this year. I'm not ready for winter yet. But no, anyway, indeed. okay. So now question of the day has well this one kind of has something to do with what we're talking about so you've had some time to prepare you get to go first but those of you watching you can also play along since we're talking about simulations i thought hey let's think back let's take a let's take a journey down memory lane and graham what is something from your childhood that you wished you could have learned through a simulation but didn't <clears throat> um Good question, Christopher. And it, it relates to gravity and a, a go-kart. So I remember building a go-kart with my neighbors um, and sitting on the, on the top of a hill in the go-kart and volunteering to be the test dummy. And halfway down, one of the wheels fell off and I flipped over and over, <laughs> broke a finger, scraped my head, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I wished I had tested a little bit more um, and iterated around the problem a little bit more rather than going full blown at the start. Just, just jumping but, um, in and doing it. Now, okay, you built a go-kart. I have to ask, was this like legit go-kart here? <laughs> I don't, or was this, you just scrapped some things from your parents' shed and, and pulled it together, threw some wheels on it? Yeah, it was actually my friend's parents' shed, but the latter. It, I don't think this would have won Formula <laughs> One. It was, it was a race of any kind. Yeah, it it had four wheels, but only just. And um, <laughs> yeah, my 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 friend he he lived on the on the top of a hill, so I don't know where we okay. why we thought that that was such a good idea. But um, I, my go karting career sort of stopped there, Christopher. That that was the end of the go karting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish. Yeah. I, I should have had you bring <clears throat> pictures because I am now very curious of what this. Is. I had a go kart. Mine was one. It was given to me by a friend, but it was a former racing go kart. But it had no brakes. And it had no throttle. So you would start the engine and it would just take off and you would jump into it. And the only way you could slow down was Crikey. to whip donuts. It was probably not the safest. <laughs> I forgotten about that thing. Maybe simulation would have helped there. Anyway, so yeah. mine, mine with this one, okay, was I, I had trouble deciding between two. But I think the one I'll go with is I had a friend who was big. He had two trampolines and he was convinced he wanted me to learn how to do backflips so that I could do backflips from one trampoline to the other. This is the kind of genius ideas that I feel like you have when you're in your early teenage years. And that was one that I cannot tell you how many bruises and sore ribs. Yikes. And I'm surprised I'm still here, to be honest with you. All these attempts, <laughs> not only trying to learn a backflip, but to learn a backflip from one yeah. trampoline to the other. So I yeah. did it, but I certainly wouldn't have mind throwing on some sort of experience <laughs> that hurt a lot less than it did. Yeah, indeed. 
Very good. Okay. Good question, Christopher. Well, actually, really good question. <laughs> right? I yeah. Think it's, it's the fun part of this. We have some fun. We go back. It is related to what we're talking about to some degree. So let's shift gears into that. You're the CEO and founder of C6, which is all about digital simulations. But tell me a little bit about the background behind that. What what made you say, you know what I'm going to do? Did you know you wanted to get into learning technology? Was that something that you strive for? Or how did that, how did you get there? So, so the, the, the passion, the, the interest started with teams and, and team dynamics. Um, I started off my career in the, in the, in the British commandos, the British Royal Marines. And I, and I led and was part of teams during, during that career and simulation was something that we did. And we'll, we'll okay. talk more about that, no doubt. Um, but then leaving the military, I, I really sort of wanted to explore it in the commercial setting and then started a career in, in L&D. And from a technology perspective, this was over a decade ago. There really wasn't much there from a, from a, from a technology perspective. Yeah, so lots of great content, great thinking, great work, but very little in terms of you know technology experiences that teams can can, can go through. Um, so so that that's where it all started really. Okay. Got it. And then this started how long ago was that that you started? Because again, yeah, the tech has come a long ways. <clears throat> yeah, I I I I joined I entered this sort of L and D arena just over 10 years ago. Um, and joined a fantastic team of L and D professionals, super smarts. And I was I remember being really impressed with the um, their quality of thinking, their experiences, the diversity of the group, but their positioning with the the positioning with the business I thought was really sort of interesting. They're very much focused on sort of producing content and being a sort of middle person between content providers and the business, and not really yeah. engaging with business teams and and, and, and unpacking business team issues. Um, that was at a large oil and gas company. And then I, I went to a, a similar role in financial services and, and saw the same. So very quickly over six years, saw this, this kind of challenge that L&D professionals had in, in engaging with the business and engaging with, with, with teams. Um, and that inspired me to leave the you sanctuary. Say, you know what, world. I'm going to go solve for this. I see a gap yeah. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go tackle it. You know, it's an yeah, interesting exactly. point you bring up, and I think it's an important one that two things that you've mentioned that they're fair points, right? You look at where we were 10 years ago, what we had the capability to do, and I talk about this a lot, what we had the capability to do is vastly different than what we have the capability to do today. <clears throat> and I yeah. think that's one of the things that sometimes you see this in the space where there's a lot of finger pointing and beating each other up about, well, this is you know how things were done. And in a lot of ways it was, well, that's what we had to do. I think where we have opportunity now is things have dramatically changed and the canvas is different. The paints are different than what we can paint with. And yeah. so it's about actually shifting that thinking and that capability to say, okay, how do we paint in this new world? And then the other thing that I'm curious about, I'd really like to get your perspective on this because when I hear simulation, it's similar to when I hear people say experience, mm -hmm. it can mean a very different thing depending on who you're talking to. A simulation can be as basic as, you know, hey, here's a little situation and then answer these questions based on what you think the response to that. That could be tagged as a simulation all the way out to we're actually running you through a live, this is a real business problem. It's a faux business problem, but it's one we're working through to solve a challenge. Where do you sit, you know, as you talk about C6, where are you on that spectrum of simulation and how do you define it? Yeah, we're very much on the on, on the side of team experience. So, so okay. throwing team into um, a performance challenge, and it might be space exploration or motorsport or running a business, but an unfamiliar challenge where they're faced with lots of data to handle and team dynamics to grapple with, um, and they're out of their comfort zone, Christopher. Okay. Right, so that they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, and that is, is is really the sort of one of the central tenets to the experience for us. It's it's unfamiliar. And as you go through that, those those phases of those experience, that experience, what's really important is we start to surface default behaviors in teams. 
sometimes you know it's, it's not about start, yeah the team dynamics yeah. start eking out <laughs> exactly exactly you know you can pretend for 20 minutes or so but as the pressure comes on as layers of the scenario come on then they default behaviors really really come through and that's where, where we want to get to that's where you achieve that awareness and motivation in teams and and then you're you're, you're into <clears throat> you're, you've crossed the start line um so it's it's and i and i you know took that from my military career actually principles of it which is um you know getting teams together with with multiple skill sets um and throwing them into a challenge and seeing how they interact the military, Christopher, are very good at that. We we take experts from all around the organization, signals experts, um, um, intelligence experts, infantry experts, engineers. We bring them together in simulation, and then we see how they work together against a common challenge. How good are we at leveraging each other's skill sets and perspectives to, to overcome this challenge? And um, we didn't really see that. In, in the, well, in yeah, the... and so I'm going to back up a little bit because you brought this up about, and, and I won't go too academic here, but when you talk about the pushing people into that right threshold of stress, I think mm -hmm. that's a really important factor to consider with this when you think about simulations, because sometimes it's easy to move in this zone of, well, we want everybody to, we want everybody to pass or we want everybody to be able to get through it. And yeah. that goes against what we know is the zone of proximal development, which is exactly. you have to push people to the right level where it's not easy because if it's too easy, they aren't actually exactly. developing and growing. Now, granted, you have to, I think this is where the military, you can't necessarily bring the military into corporate sometimes because pushing too far in a corporate environment can actually have negative consequences. So it is about finding that right balance. So how is that, how is that, how do you, focus on that as you bring people together to find what is that right degree of complexity so so i i agree you know when i was at um in, in my first lnd role I, I came across simulations that were a little bit contrived in that everybody's a winner you go through an experience that might be half a day or a day and every and, ev and everybody's a winner and you're racing against a computer or a machine and the facilitator manipulates it in a way that there's a there's a sort of positive result and everyone yeah, high fives it's one of the and then, pieces of feedback and i think it's why sometimes people are hesitant on simulations because many of us agree. have that reaction because that's what we've experienced in the past uh, absolutely we, we at c6 we, we put a flag in the ground here christopher actually we've said that's not what we want to do there's some great businesses out there and companies that do that but that's not what we're what we're about we want to um, we want it to be competitive. We want it to be, there certainly be sort of a performance challenge in there, explore those team dynamics. We can go into this in this conversation. Um, and at the end, there's some real insight from those teams as to how they've behaved, whether you came first or whether you came last. There's some, there's some meaningful um, insights. And, you know, Christopher, from my experience of doing this now, for over 10 years, there are serious um, engagement wins there, serious um, participation wins. Yeah, because as you're going through the sim, if there, if you do, if you are giving performance feedback throughout, in other words, this team is in the lead and this team is, is here and everyone in between, then you can instill a sense of competition um, and fun and that sort of team building element. And I think that's really important. Certainly, in the virtual setting, because if you can create that fun and that sense of, you know, high fives and competitiveness as you're going through, then a two or three hour simulation can absolutely race past. And, and actually, right. well, and I think what's funny about that is, I, th I th it's an important point to bring up is that continuous feedback that has to be incorporated. And again, I think yeah. a lot of the things we've talked about when we first started chatting about this was the fact there are a lot of principles that whether you're talking about team simulations or not, that we can really apply back to anything we're doing. And that continuous <clears throat> feedback loop of letting people know how they're progressing, how are they doing, that is an important element because there's nothing worse than doing something and then getting to the end and going, well, you didn't make it. 
and you really yeah. had no indicator. And we know this from performance management. We know this from all areas of things. But that component is is absolutely critical. So that yeah. has. To, it sounds like that's an intentional factor that's been built into the simulations. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And with modern technology, you can do loads of cool things by asking participants to interact with the technology and do things throughout the the, the narrative of, of the simulation. So for example, there might be a, um, a preparation phase of the simulation where everybody's in a virtual, virtual setting. And you might ask them to press a button and it might be the race ready button or it might be the launch button. And, other, and what you can do is you can say to participants, we want you to press that button when you feel that you are ready to go as a team. Okay. And if you ask everyone to do that and you timestamp it and then play it back to teams, you can see gaps in where individuals press that button. And that's actually alignment feedback. So you can say, yeah, we're all super aligned. But actually, Chris, between you and I, there's a three minute gap as to when we felt that we were ready. So all sorts of little um, features that you can integrate. These and, little you nuances know, that could easily be overlooked. Correct. Like exactly. And, it, and it, okay. yeah, and it's and it's giving that data feedback to participants, which is a massive, as I say, sort of engagement and participation win. Okay. So let let's walk through this because I wanna I wanna get a better feel for what this looks like and maybe lay it out for people who are watching. Let's do twofold. I'm gonna go through the experience itself. Walk me through as a participant, you know, how this experience would work. And then I'm actually really curious on the design side, because going back to your point about performance consulting and actually working with the business, because you have to design a simulation that fits that right balance of it's authentic enough without getting so hung up on making it perfect. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. So before we get into that though, how you're, you're bringing these teams together, are these teams of, cause we talked about this before. One of the challenges I see with a lot of things when it comes to development is we're developing the individual, right? Yeah. A lot of things are focused on developing the individual. Unfortunately, and again, this isn't necessarily, you shouldn't do that, but we over index on that individual development. And the reality is, in organizations we're developing, we do work as teams. There's almost yeah. nothing that you think of that you do just exactly. completely by yourself. So exactly. as people are coming into this, are they developing, how, how are these teams forming? Are they yeah. one group? Like how does that decide it? So it can be any group of people really. It can be new joiners. Um, it can be an intact team. It can be a leadership team, um, a, a globally distributed leadership team. Um, but what you have to do is you have to put them into a virtual performance challenge. So you have to put them into a team, for example, in an endurance motor race or okay. um, sailing around the world or putting somebody on Mars. And you have to give them that performance challenge and get them to work virtually inside the simulation. And then you bring them in and out of that simulation as you go through the experience in it, for example, Zoom and Zoom breakouts to have debrief discussions, what's working well, what can we improve and, and then go back in. So, so for example, you could get a team of 18 people and you would break them up into three teams of six. Okay. And all of those, those three teams are racing or competing against each other. It could be sailing around the world or space exploration, but let's give an example of a, of a, of a motorsport race. You're the Panthers team, the Bears team, or the Sharks team. Then what you do is you start like to animal choices, you, you start to curate. <laughs> Trust me, it, it, it makes it easier. Um, within each team, you give the same amount of resources. They all have an AI to interact with. Um, they all have a sort of regulatory brief to, to, to manage. But that team is broken up into different component parts. Let's say driver performance, who are responsible for the drivers race control who are responsible for weather data so you're, you're, they have roles they have distinct roles in the distinct simulation. roles exactly um and then you put them into this virtual setting where for 10 or 15 minutes individually they have to prepare for the race you can they can talk to each other inside the simulation um but that's all about how are you aligning virtually and this is this is really difficult so it's an unfamiliar scenario they've got lots of data sets that they need to that they need to play with 
But inside that race team or that space travel team, how are we actually, you know, figuring out the problem just using a team, a team chat? How are we okay. identifying Chris? What inf Christopher, what information do you have available to you? Um, what do so I have? Get a brief. So they get a little brief on their own. They're kind of individual brief, letting them know their role, what they have, exactly. the data they have. And then they go into, this is a, this is some sort of digital environment. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and that brief and the videos and everything is all inside the platform. And then you take them out and you then get them off into a, a facilitated discussion. Okay what's what is it that we're trying to achieve here what are the roles and responsibilities what are the kpis and you show the team how disconnected they are how unaligned they are how where those cognitive gaps where those alignment gaps exist you then give them the opportunity to have that conversation so they 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 they're feeling a little bit more excited and motivated about going into the next session and then you throw them into session one, for example. And in session one, you might give them AI. But what you have to do, Christopher, is you have to force that team to make decisions inside that simulation. You have to force them to decide on strategy, whether changing ties, etc. The good, the bad, and the ugly. 15 minutes, you bring them out. You give them some performance feedback. Congratulations, this team's in the lead little bit of a continuous improvement conversation and then you you repeat so it's a slight sort of nod so are they to the same I, I guess are they repeating the same simulation based on that or is it this they're taking the next step but now they're taking what they learned from the previous step and now they're saying now we're going forward we're going to try and learn from what we did and not repeat our co same mistakes. Co correct correct yeah so within one simulation that would last for example three hours as they go through those sessions they're progressing they're improving the way that they align, share, think critically, challenge assumptions or, or whatever. And then, you know, six weeks later, they might do, this is where you can look at sort of interesting things like neural scaffolding, learning scaffolding. Um, at the end of some, you're raising awareness and motivation at the start, you're putting them through some modules of, of, of content, and then there can be a sort of test exercise, okay. a capstone event for, for, for that team. but. L&D teams building a, a, a culture of this experience, these experiences where they're putting teams through experiences at different stages of the learning journey to really drive that engagement, drive, drive that participation. Okay. So it's interesting you bring this up because as I think about this, in many ways, as you look at how work is being done, it's very similar to this, right? People are coming together. They're being pulled together. They have distinct roles. Sometimes that's not all very clear. And then they have to work through these challenges and they're continuing to move forward with it. So one of the things I'm really curious about as you've seen this is how did that shift? You know, Danielle brought this up about the fact that it's been interesting watching teams interact virtually as things have shifted. I'm curious, how have organizations really, because to me this would bring out, and this is probably the scary part to some degree for teams, you start to see your your team dynamics objectively in the mirror, and sometimes what you see may not necessarily be that pretty. And yeah. I think when we go back to when things were pre-COVID, there were a lot of things we just took for granted because, well, everybody's here and we're making a lot of assumptions about we understand how we work, we understand how we communicate, we're in a pretty good spot, when really it may not have been. Now suddenly, boom, you're not together anymore. Yeah. I have to imagine you've seen kind of an evolution of team dynamics. Absolutely. Um, inclusion, for example, is, is becoming a, a critically important topic of discussion. Um, as a leader, how good are you at capturing different perspectives? That is really difficult okay. on Zoom calls and, and, and things like that. Um, effective collaboration, and I'm not just talking about discussing a PowerPoint slide, but actually running a key assumptions check exactly or outside in thinking. You know, Christopher, a game changer for me is the technology that's now available to teams. So things like Miro, Mural, virtual whiteboard collaboration tools, even file sharing tools like Dropbox. And, and it's yeah. all about the integration, right? So Zoom now making this big play through 
um, zaps their call, you know, zaps that allows the quick transfer of the data. Yeah, exactly. So what we're seeing L and D teams do now is using simulation as an opportunity to practice using those tools, using those tools in, in anger. So halfway through a simulation, we're just going to take a tactical pause and we're going to go into Miro and we're going to do some assumptions mapping. As a team, what do we think is in terms of uh, on a two by two, you know, risk and importance, for example. So teams doing that. And, and what we hear all the time is teams, you know, the thought is worse than the doing. Once you get, you've asked them to practice using a tool like that in a simulation, they go, wow, actually, that was quite easy. Yeah. It really improved the quality of our thinking and the questions that we asked. I want to use that on our on our you know blue bottle purpose behind it i think that's one of the biggest things a lot of times we hand people these tools and we say hey go use this exactly but there's not necessarily a use case or an opportunity to see what good looks like or how you do that so if i'm hearing you correctly as people are engaging with these simulations they're also using as an as an opportunity for adoption for some of the technology that they're using in the organization to say hey we have these tools available Let's use this alongside the simulation as an opportunity to practice some of this so that you have a better understanding of how to use it with actual work that you're doing. Uh, I, I, uh, yes, absolutely. And, and this is why I think your this learning tech talks is so timely, because, not just because of COVID, but I think it gives. I did get lucky a, with the timing, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this for me is a really important point. I, I, sense that LND right now is feeling a bit powerless. Yes. And the discussion that we're having, I think it gives LND professionals the opportunity to meet teams where they are. Go and performance consult with teams through simulation and all the other tools that, that, that we've we've just sort of alluded to. Um, that's how you get a seat at the table, LND. The way that you get a seat at the table is by earning it. And you've got to engage with the business. You've got to show them what you can do. And I see so many L&D teams who are so smart, who are, but, but are just um, in this sort of middle person trap between content and an LMS or an LXP. Now, there is some of that they is really relevant. Place. They have their yeah, place, right. Absolutely. But I think this is, th- this. The technology that's available now presents a huge opportunity for L&D to become, to, to, be, to, be, to empower themselves a little yes. bit more. You know, um, I was watching it. On yeah. that point, I think it is an absolutely important point. It's part of the reason I get so excited about the technology is that so many of the things, going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, that we've wanted to do but we've struggled because we didn't have the capability or the capacity to do it. It just, it just wasn't there. It wasn't necessarily we were bad or we were thinking wrongly about it. It was just our capacity or capability wasn't there. And now what this technology is doing is it's actually accelerating and enabling us to do things. I think where we get stuck sometimes is it can feel like unfamiliar territory. It can feel a little bit uncomfortable because we've gotten comfortable with how we've been doing things. And this does require, in some regards, a reinvention of what our role is, which I, t- I just talked about this last week. It can feel like a threat to your identity. That's not who I am. I made this, or this is how we have operated. Well, not anymore, but that doesn't mean you're any less valuable if you break down Correct. those skills. And I think that's a huge part of what you're talking about is as you do this simulation type stuff, it's an opportunity, one, to build credibility with the business because you're meeting them where you are. But I think going back to something else that's a huge opportunity for us is it gives us an opportunity to have a better pulse on what's going on in the business so that we can make proactive strategic decisions so we can come to the table with suggestions and ideas and say, this is what we're seeing. These are the gaps we're seeing in the organization. And we can do it with actual data because the technology is now informing us on real things. It's not gut feels. It's not people liked it or I, I felt this was valuable. No, we can actually say even your even your start button, ready button example. Yeah, we, we team dynamics 
And we've got, we've got some disconnects here in these teams. Some people are very much ready to go. Others are not that, that we can actually action against. Yeah. We, we have a member of our product team who, who just looks at that data exhaust from, from these experiences, you know, the, the ex what data comes out of these simulations and these, these, these interactions. And it's, it's real. It's not sort of forget Kirkpatrick. This, this is real data. Um, that you're that you're seeing um, in, in these interactions, but I, I, your point about L and D, I think, is so poignant, Christopher. I really do. I, I saw I was watching a movie with my daughter last week, and um, it was a I can't remember. It's like a Disney movie or something. But someone said, you know, there are two paths that you can choose in life: the path that you choose yourself, or the path that someone chooses for you. And I think this is relevant for LND because you can sit there and say <clears throat> you know you know th this is really tough because you know it's, it's a tough budgetary environment how how we engage with the business because everyone's virtual I think it's a huge opportunity if they if they if they grab the ball and start running with it and, and it's and it's technology has such a critical part to play in that it does it's a it's a massive contributor to it and I Again, I think this is why I get so excited about this from an inspiration standpoint. I, I just see so many things over the years that we've said, mm -hmm. we want to do this. We want to be here. We want to have this capability. And now what tech is doing is saying, here you go. Here's yeah. your opportunity to do it. Where the, where the accountability falls on us is to say, are you going to take that opportunity? Are you going to do something with it? Or are you going to say, no, thanks, right? That's, that's uncomfortable for me. Yeah, and when I was um, when I was working in a in a um, group L and D role for a financial services organisation, a global one back in the UK, <clears throat> I just remember having this very awkward meeting with a lot of vendors, and none of the vendors that we we're working with were technologists. Okay. They under they they were experts in the content. They were experts in DNI or emotion intelligence or you know team working all, all of that stuff but none of them really brought anything to the table from a technology perspective and i think that's a flag that you need to wave if you're an lnd professional watching this are the vendors that you're working with able to actually talk confidently about technology and that's not just running programs through zoom right. and powerpoint presentations how confident are they at bringing all of these tools to bear in the way that they're engaging with the teams inside your business, because if 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 they if they're not if you're not getting that from them, if they're not thinking about technology in a, in a modern way, then you might have to um, re review that. Yeah, well, and it's it's a bit of an interesting situation to be in right now. And I that was one of the things that was interesting when I started learning tech talks was this whole. I mean, there were some people who were very skeptical about. Why would you create a live stream where you talk to vendors on a regular basis? And I've actually found it to be tremendously valuable. I did it before I started learning tech talks, but to broadcast that because similar to team dynamics, what we're talking about in team simulations, there is a distinct role on both sides and we have mm -hmm. to work together. And that's the only way we move forward with this. And yeah, that's where I, I again see that as an opportunity to say, you need to find the right partners because the reality is you cannot build that internal capability yeah. yourself. It actually doesn't make sense to. It really doesn't make sense to. I, I've been in situations where we've yeah. tried to build everything from the inside. It's just not the best use of time and resources. And I think that's where there's this opportunity to bring this, bring this together. One thing I actually am curious on, though, as we talk about these simulations, because this can be I've been in heated debates on both sides of this, <laughs> and I tend to be somewhere in the middle, maybe. I guess it depends. And again, for me, it's more, what are you trying to achieve? Then we'll go back. But on the simulation thing, when people do simulations, and, and I see this happen a lot, you'll see polar ends of the spectrum. Sometimes people want something that's just completely outside the scope of anything that you can't relate to it's a completely different topic if you're in mm -hmm. i don't know healthcare the simulations on sailing around the world making yeah. it completely disconnected others have a perspective that when you do simulations it has to feel so authentic it feels as though it's exactly the kind of work you do 
what, and again, I, my understanding from what you've talked about is you can go on either end of the spectrum, but have <coughs> you seen as you've been doing simulations, is there a sweet spot along that spectrum or is it situation? Yeah, we, yeah it's a really great question, Christopher. We, we have a view on this. <clears throat> I've designed energy simulations for energy companies and beer simulations for beer companies. And it's tough because um, you're dealing with experts, right? The participants are experts. Now, unless you ask a professor at INSEAD to design a simulation for you that is high, high fidelity um, and um, really expensive and will take six months to build, um, you're not going to get the required sort of impact. Well, the way that we look at it okay. is um, do a mission to Mars sim or sailing around the world or seeing around corners um, and make it fun and engaging, but make it fun because in a virtual world, that's really important. You need to get people excited and enjoy the idea of we're racing to Mars or we're gonna run we're going to run a hotel for a month yeah. over the next three, three, three hours. So, so that's really important. But from a, from a customization perspective, you, you can be really smart here. So for example, pharmaceuticals, sales teams, yeah. um, and you know, a, a product launch, really, really big deal for L&D teams supporting um, sales organizations in pharma. We would design or have design simulations like space exploration, which replicates this idea of teams coming together, working through problems, working through a highly regulated environment, and then there's an event. And that event is a space rocket launch or yeah. a, a product launch. Same in, in um, financial services. That event might be CCAR, might be a regulatory um um, um a, a event but to 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 the fed if you're um in for example automotive okay. and you're faced with a really fast moving customer um, um environment rapidly changing expectations of customers because of what tesla have done as you know when you go into a dealership customer expectations have been reset because of because of what tesla is doing so if you're Toyota, for example, or any, or any other sort of auto automotive um, dealer, you want a simulation that replicates um, teams responding to and adapting to changing customer expectations. So then we would run a, design a simulation based around running a hotel okay. where you've got changing customer expectations. Okay. So you wanna make it fun and engaging. You wanna take people away from the subject matter but you also want to sort of bring some relevance and, and, and gamification or metaphor to what they experience in the, okay. in, in the real world. That's Does actually that really sense? helpful. And it, so it, it very much aligns with the way I've approached simulations. And just to break it down from a little bit of a different angle that you hit on that I think is really important with this is going on the index of where you're trying to recreate, perfectly recreate the exact work environment. You think about it from the iron triangle standpoint where it's, well, do you have unlimited budget, unlimited resources? Do you have the subject matter expertise to do that? But even if you could, I think the point that you bring up about the element of fun, which by the way, I think we could use a lot more fun in the work that we do. We could bring a lot more fun to this stuff is the fact that that's not exciting and engaging necessarily for a participant to go, hey, guess what? You're going to go do this digital sim and it's kind of like work. It's supply chain. Yeah, let's, let's I know you work in supply chain. <laughs> like, We're going to do supply chain. That is something that gets me excited to go, you know what? I cannot wait to go do fake work. I don't want to go do <laughs> fake work and practice work but not actually get any real work done. That sounds terrible. That does not I mean, that's, sound That's fun. hilarious. Yes, and absolutely. Right. that is the point that you're bringing and the point that we're getting to with this is if you're thinking about simulation, if you're thinking about anything, you have to think about what are we trying to accomplish with this? And I think where sometimes I see this not go far enough, and you talked about this, and it sounds like this is part of that architecture of the sim, <clears throat> not just what is the end outcome, but what are the behaviors that we're trying to see that lead to that? Yeah. So that we know whether people are on trajectory to do that. And if you can break through that, 
that to me is sometimes a, a glass box that we, we sometimes struggle to do is break through that glass box and say, all right, what are the behaviors? Let's not get hung up on the, is it the right automotive? Is it the right, the blood? forget that. Yeah. In that environment, what are the behaviors we know we want to see in people? Then let's break it down to those most fundamental elements. Let's design around that. And then let's add in a layer of fun so that it is something interesting, but it's still relevant. Because if you go way too, way too serious, not only is it like, really, I don't want to go do fake work, pretend work, but that's where you get the people that go, well, this isn't quite how my day would do it, or this isn't exactly the situation that I've been in. You almost need that suspended disbelief to break people away from, it's not, it isn't your work. It's different, but we're still watching and we're growing and developing the behaviors that we want to see. That is exactly right, Christopher. And there's a really important point here. It's the last thing that you just said, and it's around utilization of the assets. So all the people that we work with ask the right question, which is how far can I sweat this across my organization? So it can't be too much of a highly curated, high fidelity event, like a lot of simulations of the sort of 90s and early 2000s, um, it needs, the modality of it needs to be a lot more flexible. So um, you can use a simulation for um, a leadership team, you can use them for an intact team, you can use them for, you use it for new joiners, um, you can use it for as a sort of part of a transition program. So if you're clever, you'll design something that you can use again and again and again and again across teams inside your organization. And some simulations out there um, are, because of their DNA, it's difficult to do that. Okay. Got so commercially, there's a, really important, there's a really important point there. Well, and that, and that again goes back to the point of why do you want to take the time? It may, sometimes people feel like we just need to move fast, so let's just recreate what's out there. And it's, well, no, the point of breaking it down and understanding the behaviors you're trying to drive is so that we can create a simulation that's unique enough while at the same time fundamentally similar so we can scale and grow grow that out and push that. Which exactly. leads me to my next question, which I'm really curious about how you talked about some of the use cases where people are pulling these things into place. But I'm curious, when an organization participates in this or they engage with you, how are they doing that? Are they coming? Are they coming with a specific target audience and a problem and saying, we've got this group of people, this is an area of opportunity, or how does that, how does that interaction usually kick off? Um, well, right now, lots of people are coming to us with it, with a team engagement challenge. Okay. Um, lots. And, and that's keeping us, keeping us busy, but there, there, sure there, there's no shortage of that. Yeah. There is, there is also a, this is an interesting use case. So um, a, a, an airline in the UK were um, at the start of a, tr of a transformation and that transformation had a narrative and it was, we want to become the world's most data driven airline. Okay. And what the organization wanted to do is get right into the heart of leadership and get them to internalize that a little bit and have a conversation about that and understand what that actually means. Okay. So we use simulation to help do that. And basically it was about data-driven decision-making, taking, it. asking the right questions and, and tying that to the way that we, tying that to the way that we make decisions. Um, so that's one use case. Another one is bringing new joiners into the organization. And there are two things that they wanted to achieve around who we are and how we work, who we are from a values and behavior perspective and how we work from a DNI and performance management perspective. And again, we use simulation for that just to have that conversation. Two day virtual program, just half of it was, was, a, was a simulation. Okay. But like Christopher, you know, when you go into Home Depot, someone comes up to you in an orange apron and they say, what do you need? And you say, I need a shower. And then the second question they ask is how much help do you need? Right? Yep. So for us, they say, what do you need? We need, you know, a simulation for new joiners, high performing teams, executive leadership, whatever. And we have those simulations to bear. 
or they might say we want to build our own okay, okay how much help do you need and then we, we, we go from there because we've designed we've designed our technology in a way that um configuration and customization and all of that stuff is is super easy okay okay so either way either end of the spectrum whether it's they've already got it figured out and they yeah. know specifically what they want to do or they may say listen we've got some challenges we need to figure out we don't we haven't necessarily gone through and figured out what that actually looks like you can yeah. work on either end of the spectrum and you have some of these simulations if you will pre-built but there's also the capability to customize around unique needs. <coughs> yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, my C6 is we're a product organization. We often go to market through consulting partners. So if there's a lot of delivery, we, we don't deliver tens of simulations a month, but we normally give that to a delivery partner who do that, who does that. Okay. So then the other piece, and I think this is interesting, because again, going back to one of the things I'm very not sensitive to, but very aware of, right? I have a, a high level of empathy for this is the fact that sometimes what leads people in our industry to not move forward is the, the fear factor. Going back to this, I might not have this quite figured out yet. I might not have the answer and I don't necessarily want to have the vulnerability to say, I don't have the answer and I need some help. But I think one of the things that was interesting about what you said, I actually pointed this out when I did my 12 month live stream talking about the trends I've seen over the last 12 months, I brought up the fact that one area that I still see as an opportunity from the, the solutions that are out there, and it sounds like you're doing some of this with things, is providing insights on some of this data. Boss brought up the point earlier that there is a huge opportunity for people in our industry to up our technical acumen. Do we need to become coders? No. But do we need to understand technology, understand what's possible, understand how this stuff works? Exactly. Yes, we absolutely yeah. do. We're past the point of saying, ah, I, I don't care for tech. Well, too bad. It's so sad. It's just the, the cost of entry now. Yeah. But I think one of the things you brought up that you mentioned when you talk about some of these insights is a lot of solutions I see, they give the data, right? They, they just give the data and say, hey, here's, here's what happened. It took three minutes for somebody to hit the launch button. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where there's opportunity. And it sounds like this is something that you're doing with that is to have that solution also give you some insights on that data. Yes. Maybe handing that to someone who says, okay, three, three minutes sounds good. I don't necessarily know what to do with that versus instead of just giving the raw data and saying, here, you figure out what that means, having the opportunity to say, here's the data that came out of this. We actually, having done a lot of this, actually can share with you some key insights yeah. that you may want to action against based on the performance of that. And it sounds like that's part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It sits within a, 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 a wider pr program of work, for sure. Okay. Okay. So then I am curious, because with any of these things, as you think about it, there's, there's always challenges. There's landmines, you know, in front of you, you're, you're sometimes walking a minefield, especially if you're trying to drive transformation and this isn't something you historically have done. I've got my perspective on just knowing and having gone through some of these things before the landmines I've typically seen, but are there specific things that if people are looking at saying we really should take simulations more seriously, or maybe we figure out a way to, again, going back to our earlier conversation, this is not about replacing everything that you're doing. We're not just shifting boxes mm -hmm. and saying, stop doing everything you were doing, now just only do simulations. No, it's about saying we can augment our portfolio Correct. and exactly. say, we have this stuff where we have opportunities is to take it to the next level, to build our business partnerships and say, hey, simulations. But people who are considering making that journey, what are some of the things you typically see yeah. that they run into where they go, ah, I wish we had thought of this, or I wish this is something, you know, or a challenge that, hey, you're going to run into challenges. I used to have hair. I don't, have hair, <laughs> and that's fine, so, but it's just because it's hard work. But what are some of those things so people can be prepared? Because sometimes that's the biggest piece is just knowing what you're in for. Yeah. Um, so a few things, and a really great, great question, Christopher. So first is, um, be agile in the way that you approach these things, test, 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 take, you know, you can beta test elements, pilot test elements with different parts of the business. 
and we we love working that way um building features and elements that are right for the business and, and, and relevant for those 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 teams. Um, but I think you're talking about the, the, the how. So how would we create a culture of simulation, a culture of virtual experience, um, experience um, delivery for, for, for our teams? And there's, um, you've got to do this in a, think about this in a modern way. So um, not giving, it's all about sort of train the trainer and um, um, transferring capability so that you can deliver this in-house yourselves. And we've been kind of taken aback by how many of our customers are actually are actually doing that now. Okay. Um, you know, maybe necessities of fuel of innovation. I, I don't know, but they're 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 saying we want to deliver this ourselves. Um, but designing that that support, that facilitation support. In a modern way inside the application itself so sort of in-app support lots of use of video um okay so almost needing to make sure you have facilitators i guess is the best term for it to be yeah. able to actually you can't just throw people in there and they go good luck we'll see you on the other side it's about how do you facilitate that experience <clears throat> yeah ab absolutely and, and i think there's a Great opportunity for LND to control costs in that regard. If they're, yeah. these, these LND teams are delivering these experiences, I think they absolutely should be should be doing that. Um, and um, there's a great development opportunity. I think for <clears throat> we've seen one of our customers co-facilitate with a business leader and an LND yeah. professional. And this is a great great um, opportunity. Uh, a development opportunity, which we they came up with it, not not us. Um, so the business leader running these um, sims, you know, there is a big facilitation skill, you know, yeah. facilitating discussion and movement of people virtually. So, so there's a great there's a muscle building on that side, and indeed for that L and D person to, to you know really think about what the the future is going to look like. I think so. Um, I think that's yeah. exciting. Because I do see, going back to the point, a lot of people are struggling with what are my what is my role in this new digital future? And when I look at it, I say, you still have a very important role. You're going, to, you're going to do things differently. You're definitely going to do things differently. Are you going to be yeah. standing in front of a classroom of 50 people? Probably not. Probably not anymore. Maybe. I don't not know. Yet. But yeah, yeah. right. But that doesn't mean your facilitation skills, your ability to work people, help them understand, guide them through an experience, create yeah. those meaningful insights and pull those threads. Yeah. That is still just as critical of a skill in the digital age as it was in the whatever, <clears throat> digital age, whatever fancy term you want to call it. I, I agree. And it's, it's really tactical, but just the confidence of getting a teams, breaking them out, putting them into Zoom, give them access to Miro. I want you to do a quick key assumptions check, then come back in 15 minutes. Facilitating that, yeah. I make it sound easy. It's not easy. No. Um, but being confident with the technology and, and performance consulting teams through technology, because you can't just get people on Zoom presentations now. You've no. got to move them around and getting them, get them to use technology. And yeah. simulation is just such a great platform to practice, um, to practice doing that and raise raise that um, awareness and motivation in those teams. And so my my follow up question to that, and then I actually have a couple things I want to hit on was now if if an organization has those resources, I agree. I think it's a huge digital upskilling opportunity for the L and D team. To me, I'm yeah. always looking for ways that we can optimize and and help our L&D organizations grow and develop. And to me, that's huge. Let's build these digital 100%. facilitation skills because that is the new way of the world. And it doesn't, so I think that's huge. But for orgs who may not have those resources, you can, C6 does have the capability to help do that if, if let's say yeah, a small absolutely. team, an intact team that says, we don't have a team that can run this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We've got 90 trained facilitators, you know, globally. So that's, um, that's definitely something that we good, that right it's a good do. clarification because you'd hate for people to yeah. say that sounds great we don't have the resources no 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 we, we've <laughs> definitely got you know footprint here in in, in europe um okay. not not as far as asia pack if if, if 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 i'm honest but um no yeah I, 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 absolutely but um we we see a lot of lnd teams wanting to do it because you know the technology is kind of like it's you know it's literally 
stop start you know yeah, time I mean, this is the hard. stuff right this is the stuff that so many in our field yeah. got into the space for was and to the, facilitate these experiences and to have <clears> see those aha moments and to help people grow and develop that's why we got into it so i can a, see why they gravitate towards the, it yeah and there's a massive um ikea effect here which is if you build the furniture yourself you, you tend to love it a little bit more i have some terrible examples of that um <laughs> by the way this table's i don't know if this is my fine work but um for lnd teams designing the simulation themselves or, or certainly working with our team and, and writing that narrative writing those themes um and then owning it christopher right owning it and, 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 and then uh, and having that that authorship um on on these things so um, yes, it's a great digital upskilling opportunity for sure. Well, and, and the other two things I'm curious your take, because as I think, right, as we're, as we're closing up, I knew we'd run out of time. We could probably just keep going live for a while. <laughs> but, you know, as I think about this, some of the challenges or just mindset shifts that we may have to make as practitioners on our side to maximize this capability. I just think about the fact that there's a huge opportunity for us to help our business stakeholders think about things in terms of the behaviors behind them, right? When I think of, of simulations and, and when I've worked with that and trying to design meaningful experiences, sometimes you have to help them think about it and actually break that down and actually take it from, we just have this big problem. We need it yeah. fixed. We're calling an L and D to fix it and actually taking the time to walk through that process and help them think differently about yeah. what what is the problem? Let's talk about that. What's happening that <clears throat> we don't want to happen? What's not happening that we do want to happen? And to me, that goes back to your design, our design conversation earlier, where we're saying that's how you're building this simulation. Exactly. Is through that dialogue, through that interaction of asking really good questions and understanding at the core where it's breaking down. And so that way you can design a solution that gets at the root of the problem, not the symptoms. And I think that's the risk you run into when you go after the symptoms solution. Yeah, completely. And you can gamify that. We've done so much work looking at the way that business analytics teams work together, for example, and the questions that they formulate. And you can just build a frame, you can build a feature inside a sim, like, a, like an AI, just to get teams to think about business problem, what data do we need to, to make better decisions? just gamifying that is so powerful it's so so powerful and simple to get these really important business issues like domain and analytics um gaps um and gamifying them in simulation raising people's awareness to, to, to it and then saying okay and now here here are the resources that you have available to you in the lxp and suddenly you've generated a pull from that business team because they want to then go and start improving the way that they <clears throat> do you know um key assumptions checks or yeah. um you know articulate right hypotheses yeah. and things well i got it, kevin brought up a really good question and this was the next point i was actually going to make before we wrapped up which kevin was talking about the sore loser behavior right and i think this mm -hmm. is a an important point to make because his, it goes back to what we talked about before with simulation, where sometimes we've tried to design things that everybody can win, everybody yeah. gets a trophy. And I will say that is something we have opportunity to grow and develop is creating this culture of it's okay to fail. You're not, you're not always going to win. And that is going back to one of the challenges I think organizations sometimes need to think about as they're approaching this is, how are you getting in front of some of the change management behind that and making sure that you're setting yeah. clear expectations on that? Because that that fear of failure culture is real and that can contribute to what Kevin brought up about the sore loser behavior where whether it's sore loser or they're terrified to participate because they don't want to fail, it's about setting those expectations and making sure it's clear that this is a learning opportunity. This is yeah. a development <clears throat> opportunity. This is not performance management this isn't if you don't pass you're out yeah exactly this is growing exactly. and developing through sim uh, ab absolutely and it's about creating memorable experiences um and <clears throat> i've bumped into leaders who i've worked with on sims 
years later and some were part of the winning team and some were part of the losing team and um both of them really remember the experience and remember the learning that 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 that, that, that it led to um so it's about creating memorable experiences i yeah. I, I think yeah but it's well, it's uh, yeah it's such an important point it's such an important point and again things that there's tremendous opportunity for for the work we're doing no matter where we are so like i said I knew we would I knew we would run out of time, but this has been really helpful and I think a lot of people can walk away from this thinking differently about simulations and how are you using those to drive the behaviors that we want to see in the organization. And to me, I think it's very exciting what technology can do because the way we've had to do this in the past, it was very difficult. It was time consuming, it was resource yeah. intensive. And there were reasons that we a lot of times shied away from it. And now the capabilities there to do this with the speed and scale needed to move at the pace of business. So thanks, Christopher. I really appreciate enjoyed you it. joining me on the show. It was, it's been great to get to know more about C6. And this was a great conversation. So thank you, everybody who tuned in. I appreciate this. We'll be back on Friday. But uh, thanks for the time. Thanks for being here. And hopefully you got something out of it.